Hey guys, Dan here. I want to say a massive thank you to our new sponsors, Fight Fuel UK. Fight Fuel UK are a sports supplement and clothing company for the boxing, MMA, and martial arts community. Be sure to check out their great products on fightfuel.co.uk. And remember, guys, by supporting our sponsors, you support the podcast. Thank you for listening and please enjoy this episode. So, here we are, Mr. Molotov himself, Big Man Vad. How are we doing, my friend? I'm good, brother. I'm good. That's I'm an intro good. for you. you. That's an intro. Yeah, doing all right, my friend. Doing all right. How's training going? Yeah, training's going well. Um, it's nice to be a little bit back, like on a more regular basis now, like get some actual training in and um, uh, get some more, a bit more contact now. We're still uh, kind of being safe about it and, uh, you know, keeping distance at, at certain times so not everyone's going at like one specific place but um yeah no it's going well it's going well i'm just trying to improve a little bit and get my sweat on man i'm, I'm good <laughs> well this is it and when it comes to your training at the minute then have you got like a certain goal in mind is it just like what you have, what you can do in the day have you got a sort of structure you're working to what's the current plan at the minute so in terms of like goals me, and stuff so those are the minutes to say, like, uh, I've got the gyms, is it like flexibility, is it strength, yeah. is it overall performance, what's your like plan at the minute? So it's like, personally, I find it very hard sometimes because like, I'm young, so I always want to have the social aspect, the kind of, it's like, honestly, like, um, a lot of people say, oh yeah, I'm in, I'm in the gym 24-7, you know, I'm doing this, this and that, but like, oh, nice. I, like I don't feel, I feel like, you know, a lot of people talk, um, but, but being realistic, it, it, I need to um, I need to take time sometimes. So I'll, I will train and sometimes I'll rest. Um, but right now I'm just trying to keep shape. I'm not trying to eat too much. I'm just trying to you know be lean and mean and then just ready to um, to be back when uh, quarantine ends and just be ready for my next uh, fight. I think but, that's yeah. really important the way you worded that as well, and that having that big awareness that I still li- you like the social aspect because a lot of people pretend they don't. They pretend like, you know, I have to be 100% fight all the time. Thinking, well, you're a human at the bulk of it. You need Man, to have social not, life. You need to have some kind of balance in some way, shape, or form. Not everyone's Mike Tyson, man. Not everyone's Mike Tyson. I hate them. You know, I, 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 used to, I used to think, you know, I have to go to a dark place every time. But you know what? Like, it is a fight, but it's also a sport. And, and I love it all the same. That's why you don't see me walking out to, like, flipping you know drill or like some hard rap music i like to kind of just walk out to something i can vibe with because I, I i like it in there i like i like it and um, and i like training but i also like you know to to rest and enjoy my time outside of it so i feel like you just gotta find a balance but um i mean all the same even fighting is a social thing for me as well you know going training seeing people that i consider my friends you know uh so yeah it's I mean, that's definitely something that's quite underappreciated, I feel, because when people say it's a very lonely sport, there are elements that are lonely, but when you're with people who you have genuine interest with, like, if you go down to the pub mm-hmm. with certain people, they're very much like, oh, yeah, I'll do this every weekend. Oh, sick, nice one. But yeah. <laughs> if you're in the gym, you're with people who actually want to improve and, you know, a different mindset of people who want to, I don't know, even, even like hobbyists, you don't have to be competitive, but people in that same interest, they want that have a sort of infectious yeah, energy. Sure. And, like, when it comes to yeah, your yeah. training, then, who are you mainly yeah. training with? Is it all like GB top team guys? Are you training elsewhere? Where are you mainly based? So, um, so the way it works right now for me is I started off with uh, stronger MMA and stronger BJJ, and uh, I kind of train kind of both teams now. It's kind of like uh, they they both really have accepted me. Uh, Brad and and, my, and Rico um, were able to talk and um, kind of let me train because the thing is, uh, uh, stronger, if, like my BJJ game is 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 where that came from like everything i learned you know Oli as mark uh marcus uh, by all those people they, wow. they yeah 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 the half the half god man himself <laughs> he yeah he he's literally like taught me everything i know and um i attribute my my grappling success to him he's a very good teacher like very technical you got a smile on your face what's, what's that about <laughs> anyone who doesn't know Oligedas get to know like he's like oh, one man, of the yeah. UK like OGs for like jiu-jitsu and stuff and like straight ankle locks. You think like Danaher was like the first one to jump on? Oh no 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 no! You <laughs> oh no 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 no! <laughs> uh, yeah, man, he's definitely OG, a hundred, a hundred, and he's just like he breaks it down so well. 
like when I when we do a technique or do a class or something, he he really breaks it down and and he's and he's funny as well. So you know it's always enjoyable the way he'll he'll explain things and he shows a different perspective. And like you said, man, his uh, his leg lock game. He's done videos on it. He's done um, I think he's got like a series on it. So yeah, I'm I'm lucky. I'm very fortunate to be to be around these people. And obviously Brad One Punch, you know, mm. um, that nickname didn't just come out of nowhere. Yeah, he's 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 a um, he's a very good. Uh, role model to have as well and, and Rico from uh, Stronger as well but um, so with the people so the reason why I tr started training with uh, GB Top Team as well is because there's not a lot of small guys at my uh, MMA uh, gym at Stronger and I needed to, to have that a little bit experience of people that I, uh, are close to my way and you know at GB Top Team there's a hell of a lot of flyweights and bantamweights that you can that he can move with so it's it's good uh i have those kind of people and people like lonnie um kavanaugh mm. who um kicks my ass but it's good because that's how you get better and um just you know uh luis gonzalez all these flyweights and and, and obviously bantamweights are more as well and it's good to that's that's the people that i train with and, and the people that i work with now when you said about <laughs> training over with um bantamweights and that like can imagine training with Nick Bagley thinking, okay, now bantamweight, he's my my weight. Oh, he's, nah. he's just he like, is not a bantamweight. <laughs> <laughs> he is not a bantamweight. I've heard horrible things about how strong he is, and I just think I don't want to be. Any, I don't want any of that smoke. That's none of my business. I'm staying at featherweight. Okay. I'm staying away from him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, I think he. I think he fights at featherweight now. I think yeah, there's a pro now. I'm staying as much as long as I can now. Yeah. I'm staying well <laughs> Uh, you'll get that right you'll... but yeah I know exactly what you're talking about like if you have an ego go and go and wrestle with Nick Bagley because he will he will humble you in terms of like he's very technical but man if he grabs a cross wrist and just crushes you down you're not moving for like the whole round yeah you know about but yeah it. but but these I know about it but at the same time if I can you know survive Nick who what flyway what steroid juice had flyway is going to be able to do that to me like a very very few people but this is yeah. it. And with the um, cross training as such, how do you, I don't know, how beneficial do you find that kind of process in the sense? Because I've been both sides of that. I've been at one gym for a while. I've been cross training for a while and then sort of flicking between the two. What benefits yeah. do you find from cross training as such? So I, I think, firstly, I'm very lucky that, that both sides are like, have I've accepted me as family. Like I'm very lucky on that regard. And I'm always, you know, uh, appreciative. But I, I just find that, that having those two different kind of places I can go to, everyone always has, has a specialty. And so if I need to learn certain things, and, and obviously the grappling at GB Topping is very good as well, but if I need to, to work on certain moves or, or, or work even different striking techniques that stronger, I can do that. And then there's always, you know, there's always different techniques. That's why people go to different countries to learn from, you know, for us, Zahabi. Is because you always there's there's always a different methodology to to fighting, and me having those different different coaches, different experiences, and different even training partners that helps me elevate my game. And right now, that's all I'm doing. I'm just experimenting. I mean, I'm so young. I feel like right now I can't be too like set in one way. For me, it's just like see what I do, learn something new, and see what sticks. You know, that's just it. And I think it's definitely important for these kind of things as well, because again, you can get so easily in a sort of tunnel vision of, okay, my club is the only one in the world that matters. This is, this guy is the only one who knows everything. And you get so easily stuck in that. And when you open up your horizon a little bit more, you get more of a perspective. The issues I found with it is a few things where it comes to conflicting concepts. So mm -hmm. say Brad teaches a certain, like, I don't know, an armbar from close guard, whereas Oli Geddes teaches an armbar from Brad, close guard sorry, as well. Brad teaching an armbar from close guard. That is, that's quite, I mean, if it's not a guillotine. <laughs> well, anyway, the principle, anyway. So the same position taught by two yeah, different yeah, people, yeah. the way they explain it, the way you're used to, I don't know, your reference points as such. And you might get conflicting kind of things. Oh, Brad might say grab the head first, Oli might say grab the wrist first, and other sort of conflicting rules. Like, how do you manage that kind of thing when it comes to your... I don't know, your own training and development and that kind of thing. Yeah, I, I think that's valid. I think that's definitely valid. And there will be sometimes conflicts. But at the same time, it's like, at the end of the day, it's what I find most comfortable. So at least I'll be able to evaluate both things and then come to my own conclusion based on my own body. But uh, what else is, though? Uh, uh, and I think 
because I initially started from BJJ, right? So that was my thing. And, and I was planning on just going into BJJ until uh, I started MMA. And that's something that I really struggled with initially was going from BJJ to MMA and those different concepts. Because man, like, you know, I, I, I can play off my back and just be relaxed and go rubber, you know, do all my parties and shit. But when, you, when you're in an MMA fight and someone's on top of you, you know, you're losing. So that's why I think I struggled with the most. And Brad really helped me out with is um, knowing to be on top, knowing how to wrestle up, knowing how to get up rather than just playing that BJJ kind of game, De La Hiva and stuff. That's, I think that helped me out as well. So those kind of concepts. I think anyone going from jiu-jitsu to MMA is a bit of a rude awakening. If you don't already have a top game, you need to learn one pretty quick. Because it's all well and good having, like, you know, your De La Hivas and your worms and all this, that and the other. But when you start getting punched in the face, you tell me how much you love your close guard. Tell me (laughs) how much fun that is. Oh, mate, you're so right. And it's not like I'm a black belt either. It's not like I'm, you know, I know everything. It's like, no, I'm a blue belt. Come come up, do MMA now. and, And, you know, like... You know, it was surprising. Even in my first fight, I was going for like a like a rolling. Uh, at one point, I was trying to good grab the leg from bottom, just trying to go for some rolling leg lock or whatever. Oh, like a proper like so, Vito yeah. roll kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I was like, "Fuck, what do I do? I'm on bottom. Uh, he's standing on top of me." I mean, yeah, but it's it's good though as well because I feel like my BJJ now is just getting better and it's getting more tailored to me. I definitely feel as well having MMA experience will help your jujitsu as a whole having that extra urgency because mm. that's a huge difference if you notice in either training competition it's a lot more laid back you sort of you know play around you accept positions you start playing yeah. around with stuff yeah you can't really play mma you can play jiu-jitsu you can't play mma it's not very nice people don't play nah. very nicely nah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah well, for some reason people don't just want to lie around with you in uh, mma and just you know little rabbit punches no people want to take your head off so, oh 100 yeah. percent. when it comes to your journey in the first place then how come you came over the stronger as well as um one punch why can you uh come over to the uk in the first place because you're from russia aren't you from the motherland that's yeah, it from uh exactly <laughs> nah um that so i came here because i don't know if you can tell but i don't really sound very russian i was gonna say um, i'm very impressed with your english is better than mine <laughs> <laughs> yeah thank you thank you Nah, uh, i came here when i was four years old so um i've had a lot of time to get into the culture and into like the you know get used to everything uh and pretty much i think english is my first language at this point like i speak russian but i speak with an english accent um so so even when i go back they call me like the english guy because <laughs> i sound russian uh, i sound english sorry but uh now nah, like i am from russia and, and i still have a very strong affinity like my whole family is russian but my mom came here because um she just knows there was more opportunity here i was from a, I'm, I'm from a, small, a very small part of russia where it's like almost no one even knows about it. It's like a small little town and we're very to ourselves. Um, but that, that's, it's good though that I can like come to the UK and represent that, you know, come from somewhere and uh, that I know like I have people supporting me and stuff. So my family is all the way back there. But yeah, I came here uh, with my mom for, for more opportunity and, and uh, she like, she, she realized that if I come to like somewhere like London, I can have more better schools, you know, um, I can just literally live out the dream. And she's a very ambitious person. So that's, that's pretty much why I'm here. But in terms of how I started BJJ and MMA, that is a, oof, that's a long story. Let's get comfy going. That is a long story. Well, okay. So um, when I was younger, so I'm a, I'm a flyweight, right? So mm. I'm, I'm five foot five. So it's not like exactly like I'm um, exerting mass. Yeah, exactly strength and just fucking testosterone. So I was always a bit small and scrawny and skinny. Um, and not that I got bullied, but as you know, you, you sometimes wish that you could have, um, mm. stood up for yourself a little bit more. And in year nine, when I was like, you know, um, in high school, I was like getting all the trouble all the time. And I was like, kind of that, that, that kind of dickhead that was just like always talking back to the teachers Look, and if somebody tried to square up to me, I didn't know how to fight. I didn't know how to, I did Kung Fu when I was younger, but like, I didn't know how to fight. So if somebody was like, Oh, what are you going to do? I'd, I'd just be like, oh, fuck you. And I just, yeah, I always go in trouble and we were going to move schools, uh, but there was literally all the schools had no availability. So my mom was like, okay, well, there's a boarding school that you can go to. Not like military boarding school, but there's like a boarding school that you can go to, um, which, which you could help, which would help you out. And I think that was probably the best decision in my life because when we did, when I did that and I came out of it, I felt like a lot more calmer, a lot more happier. I met better friends and, um, 
I was really able to kind of find myself. And in that boarding school, there was a BJJ club. And uh, I started attending that. Uh, and that's how I started to kind of get, in, get into MMA. And then I saw Conor McGregor change shit. And I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. So I was like, that's how I kind of got into, the, um, into that world. But unfortunately, they had to close that MMA gym down, because, uh, sorry, BJJ club down at school because apparently it was too dangerous um, for the kids. But that's how I started. And when I, um, when I got to year 11, I was like, okay, once I finish sixth form, I want to leave this boarding school. And Sorry, when I finish GCSEs, yeah. I want to leave this uh, boarding school and I want to go BJJ full time. That's just like the path that went down. But then I also realized that BJJ athletes get paid nothing, unfortunately. Uh, <laughs> they get paid like let's get so I was like okay well let me see uh, MMA and then I started watching UFC obviously and I found stronger and um and I just grew from there and then eventually um one day uh funny enough that how I met Brad it was through Brad's promotion my coach was like to me hey Vat do you wanna do you wanna have an MMA fight and I was like maybe he was, and he was like, actually, no, it's all right. You don't have to do it. And then when he said that, when he said you don't have to do it, I was like, no, 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 that's it. I'm doing it. I knew he was doing reverse psychology, but it worked. And I was like, okay, let me prove a point. And I uh, had my first fight on Brad's show. And then that's how my coach and Brad decided to get to know each other and how I got to know him. No, there's a lot in that. So let's yeah, take sorry. a few. No, 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 you're fine, man. Let's, let's take a bit of uh, into So regards that transition going into boarding school, so going from little man syndrome yeah. kind of, not even sure if it's overcompensating at that point and just being, you know, just being a bit, I don't know, mm-hmm. immature and having some fun to then being a bit more disciplined sure. and organized. What do you mm-hmm. think gave you that transition? Because you mentioned jujitsu after the fact, because I was expecting that to be yeah. a coming influence. But what did you feel about the boarding school aspect that gave you that structure as such that helped you mature in that way? I think, don't get me wrong, the jujitsu helped a lot. I think it's just it's it very it humbled me, you know. When you realize that you you literally can't do anything, uh, and a guy has your back, you kind of start to realize, okay, uh, I'm not as great as I think I am. But in terms of boarding school, it's just like it's just the community aspect, you know. Um, you live with the people that you go to school with, and and they become your friends, and then you literally stay up until like 12 p.m. just talking about, you know, random stuff, talking about girls, talking about, you know, and 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 it's just that kind of feeling of oh, I belong here. And I have friends and, 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 um, and, and, it's, and even with boarding school, it's like, you know, you, you have a structure, you go to breakfast, you go to school, you come back. There's also like a two hour homework thing, but then you, you, you can enjoy a day. And that structure really helped me. Whereas before I had that structure of, I know what I'm going to do every day with my friends. It was just like, I came back from school. Sometimes I'd go for a walk. I, I like to go on walks, but if not, I would literally just go into my room, have like a long, box of Pringles you know the the salt and vinegar ones and get some sweets and just bang out PlayStation and that's just all I did and um, don't get me wrong I had a blast but at some point you start to realise that yeah (laughs) yeah, I was living the life but I I, I started to realise maybe there's a bit more that uh, I could be doing with my time and uh, and thank God uh, for my mom she worked hard because it's a state boarding school so you don't pay for the education but you do pay to live there so she had to she had to work hard for me to be to to be able to to go there, and so I want to pay her back one day, um, any way I can. Yeah. Now with that, then there's still a lot with that. So when it comes to prior to that, then did you have much of a friendship group prior to boarding school? Did you have friends who influenced you in a certain way? Did you feel you were trying to find a group as such? Would feel you trying to find out who you were as a sort of general overview thing? Yeah, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not going to say I was, like, completely, you know, I had no friends because I did, uh, especially in year seven and year eight. But I th- think it was just that year nine, that um, that period of transition from year eight to year nine that, I don't know, just sort of felt different. Um, looking back, I also, I wasn't fat. I wasn't chubby. I was a bit chubby, though. So I started to kind of gain a bit of weight. Surprisingly, the Pringles didn't actually help my diet. Really? Uh, but, yeah, no, I did yeah, surprisingly, right? I mean, I thought PlayStation and, and uh, Pringles would burn a lot of calories. But yeah, I don't know. I just sort of kind of became a lot more to myself. And uh, I lost that confidence a little bit. And um, I don't know. And, and also, when teachers don't like you, it's very hard to live in a school like that. Because then you just you find it difficult to, you know, to interact. And, and they always look at you. And then 
you know, you say something, you just have detention and another detention. And also what I think is, sorry, I know I'm talking a lot. No, no. But also what I think is, is once you become developed into a cycle, once you develop into a cycle of just misbehavior, you, you, it's very easy to just carry that on and you begin to embody the persona you know, oh, I am that bad guy, you know, and I like gangster movies, so at the time, I was watching these guys, I was watching Goodfellas, and I was like, you know what, that's me, that's how I'm going to be, uh, Joe, I'm going to be Joe Pesci, you know, <laughs> so it was like, it was just a lot of, I feel like, factors to, to what I started to become, and, and obviously, I, I rather would have been someone that was, you know, less insecure, more confident, and, and not get in trouble, but at the same time, I just, I realized, okay, well, since I can't be the hero, I'll play the villain, you know, but um, but yeah, boarding school changed that. At least it allowed me to change. And that's definitely an interesting sort of area where the sort of school system falls down a bit. That if people aren't gelling with the system, they almost get put in this hole and this kind of almost like a flow chart where if things don't go right, you punish them and just keep on punishing them until yeah. eventually they either learn or they just keep getting punished and then get kicked out. Yeah, and again, when you're sure, in that such sure. an impressionable age, it's so easy to fall into these habits, fall into these kind of associations like in yourself your classmates people in the teachers everything you sort of get put as that label of oh his bad he's gonna chat back he's gonna cause trouble oh if you got him for next yeah. lesson now oh, he's gonna probably argue about this that and the other and you sort of feel agitated you feel the need to almost fulfill that so to come out of that and then i don't know reassess that as an interesting kind of maturity in itself so when you went into boarding school in the first place yeah, did you have um yeah apprehensions did you feel the need to keep that bravado did you feel a chance for a fresh start did you feel guilt for knowing what your mum had to go through to get you to that position to get you in that place or was it just kind of I don't know really well what did you feel what kind of gave you a lot of different options there but... I, I think I think literally a, a, a culmination of all those options honestly I think in some way I felt everything I was like oh you know my mum's paying for this so I got I got to get a nice fresh start and I wanted a fresh start but it's hard to just change you know you know, we are creatures of habit and, and, you know, we keep the identity, otherwise we'd go crazy, you know, so I, I, I kept being who I was, but it was a lot more quieter now, I wasn't really getting in trouble as much, and also, sorry, what I re- just remembered, um, the, the school previous gave a report of me to the new school, and literally, I had like a meeting with the, uh, the head of year, and she was like, okay, so we expect you to, to misbehave and this, this and that. But um, if I had to think about it as a fresh start and, and um, I really surprised them like the first few weeks because they were like, oh, you are nothing like what was written on the uh, sheet. Um, they were very surprised um, in a very patronizing way, but it's all right. Um, I don't blame them. And yeah, so for the first few weeks, I was just to myself, I was a little bit quiet and I just sat on my separate table. I read my book um, and then eventually my, like the people in my uh, boarding house kind of opened me up and um, Cause I'm not, I don't know if you can tell, I'm not a quiet person. So it was sort of me being quiet rather than me just, you know, not talking. Um, and yeah, and then people just started to kind of be like, Oh, I've had come, come over, let's sit on this table and, and let's talk. And, 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 and so I just saw, just through that, that kind of passed away. I was just like, ah, fuck it. You know, that's, that's not really me. So uh, I just, let me just build a new identity. Like, let me just be myself. And uh, eventually just, it's as if it never really happened, you know? But it just took time, I think. It took a little bit of time to get there. I mean, that's definitely a huge point as well, is getting out of this identity and self-fulfilling prophecy almost. And it's interesting the fact the school addressed you with that situation that we were aware of how you've been, but don't let that be who you are now. And this kind of, they're helping you draw that line. And when it came to finding who you were at that point, because it's, I'm trying to say it very spiritually, but more of a sense of you're trying to re-identify yourself. What was your... I mean, talk spiritually as well. I mean, I don't mind. <laughs> no, it's just one of the sort of things, like a bit more philosophical, I guess. But how did you find sure. your new identity? Because obviously you're used to maturing in that certain pathway. And then you have to try and rebuild thinking, I can't do that anymore. What was your reference point for what you should be? Was there someone you kind of tried to replicate was it something you thought were good principles to follow what was your i don't know was it just keep quiet and then just see what's safe what was your mindset really well it's just it's interesting because actually what's funny is when i was in year nine i, I became very spiritual as well so in that in that regards when you mentioned that, i was like yeah because uh, i i started listening to i don't know if you know like alan watts and things and like i was like really going into like zen buddhism and things 
even though I was still being causing trouble, it was, it was kind of, it was weird, but I was like, I was very interested in their ideas and their philosophies. Cause it's like, you know, everything we do, I feel is, is, is an exaggeration. You know, I mean, we don't have to act a certain way. If, if, if we existed as human beings, we can just exist. You know, I feel like personality and, and, and kind of those, there's, there's a kind of, added on to that otherwise we could just experience eat and and you know never talk a day in our lives like like buddhist monks but um i was and i was very conflicted because i was you know i was thinking i was like okay so who is this person i i am being um but then who is also this person that's listening to who who he's being and, and it was it started to go a little bit crazy because i was like who 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 am i really um because i see myself say things but then i also like realize like I am saying these things. Do I agree with these things? So it's like very meta, like me just thinking about like, you know, I don't know. It was, it was, it got very, and even now I don't necessarily know, but it's like, there's a lot of layers to it. And obviously smarter people than I have written books and stuff. And, but, um, I'm not really sure. I feel like I had always been a certain kind of person and it was just more that I, I became less that person rather than I changed altogether. I feel like, I have like everyone has a, a a certain set of of um characteristics and you can accentuate any of them so let's say somebody has an angry side to them and if you always piss them off then they're going to start to become more angry but that's not necessarily that they're an angry person it's just that that side of them is out of necessity or out of for whatever reason is is becoming brought out so uh, and same thing with things like depression and stuff I feel like everyone has has the potential for it so I think it was just me I needed to kind of just realign myself and just kind of relax and just and just be neutral again and and that you know neutrality is who i am like whatever whatever that means whether that means talking a lot or or you know finding MMA. i mean it's very carl young kind of question conversation about self and this yeah in all sort of labels sure, and sure. this is where it's i like the way you phrase a lot of that and the way you were sort of going on certain points correct me if i'm wrong but more being a product of your product of your environment as such in that your characteristics are what you make of yourself and what you're built of but what gets expressed is how you are labeled so again if you are in a negative environment and you're brought down you are then labeled as a negative person you're either like a bit e or a bit sort of depressed a bit kind of down in the dumps whereas if you're yeah. with positive people you're considered a positive person even though you are the same person made up of the same chemicals and the same this that and the other and this is why it's a bit of an awkward question in the best of times and why I'm asking that style of question there is because in that prime vulnerable state of, okay, I'm mid hormones, I'm mid kind of development, I'm in a new environment, yeah. I've got no safety net at this point, I need to rebuild. And it's there, where do you find your, your first reference point? And it could either be a case of keeping stum and then sort of filtering, okay, the sort of, I don't know, the Pavlov's dog kind of thing, okay. If I do this, do I get a good or bad reaction and then see what happens? Or find someone who's doing well and copy monkey, see monkey do, or it's, okay, I see them, I want to be them, what do they do? And, and then from there onwards, you're going through this kind of, I'm not going to say Buddhist phase, but that kind of spiritual trying to understand, knowing, appreciating you don't know what you don't know to try and find out what you don't know. So you've got, yeah, so yeah, you've got yeah. your interest outside of the educational side. But how did that reflect mm -hmm. on the educational side? So when it came to, okay, now I'm trying to rebuild who I am, not even rebuild, trying to build who I am. How did you yeah. find being in that educational structure still? Because again, that has betrayed you already that you're in this environment that you haven't felt comfortable in, you haven't found your feet in, and now you're expected to then mm -hmm. enjoy it and benefit from it. How did you then gel in the class system? I'm saying class system, not in like a meta way of yeah, yeah, yeah. working a bit more in literal <laughs> classes. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um the thing is though, I always I never I actually I did initially I blamed the school system, but I really realized that it was me, but it was also my relationships. And I thought it was with my relationships with teachers. Because I did enjoy school. And in year seven you could say I was the bang out. Like I did really like try hard and I was like, Oh, let me, you know, try and press all these teachers. Let me, you know, read books and stuff. Um, but yeah, I've always enjoyed the school system. So going back to it, I was like, okay, well now that I'm kind of, you know, people who don't have a, a reason to, 
to, to perceive me in a certain way. Let me just, let me just uh, do what I enjoy. And I really like English. I really like drama, uh, acting especially. So it's, you know, I, it was kind of relieving to be able to kind of be in, in that new environment and, and be able to, to go back to it. I wasn't, this, I wasn't really as apprehensive as, as I thought I would be because I was just able to do what I enjoy in terms of school. Um, and it was just, it was more about just getting back into the flow. Um, but yeah. What about drama do you like? Is it the premise of the plays themselves? Is it portraying a character? Is it emphasizing, putting yourself in someone, emphasize, no, empathize, I get the words mixed up, and um, trying to yeah, put yeah, yourself yeah. in someone else's shoes? <laughs> what, what elements of it do you think, I don't know, resonate with you as such? Firstly, if you don't, like, if you stop doing MMA and podcasts, you should go into therapy. I'm just going to say it now because your questions are on point. <laughs> but, uh, nah, um, I think, like, for me, even now, like, I'm doing MMA, right, pretty much full-time. I've taken a gap year, finished sixth form. I still have that urge to go back into acting, at, at least oh, uh, alongside my MMA because I feel like MMA satisfies my the physical nature of me and, and just being able to kind of just just grip my teeth and just let my you know just kind of just be in that um yeah that physical that physical side um but also acting fulfills that emotional connection i think and i think a lot of people that um haven't done acting kind of haven't really real like don't see it that way but it's like being able to play a certain role and being able to perform a certain way and and just really understanding a different perspective a different character it's it's really um I don't even know how to describe the feeling, but it's it's, it's very special. Um, you know, let's say I have to play like uh, someone that's depressed, for example, and 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 it gives you a different outlook. It gives you their outlook, and it's no longer I'm I'm not bad anymore. I'm whoever you know, and I, and I'm them now, and I and I see the world through their lens, and I'm able to, and that gives you that emotional kind of kind of connection to people. And I think a lot of actors can relate to a lot of people because you, you can see it through different, a multitude of, of spectrums. Um, and it's just, yeah. And, and, and being able to let go, I think that's what it is. Uh, being able to let go when I act and just now I'm some, now I'm just, you know, whoever I need to be. And also I just think films are pretty cool and cinematography and just that. But in terms of the acting itself, I think that's what's, um, at least for me, there is a lot I want to go into that. So let's do it point by point. Let's do it. Let's so, do it. <laughs> so are you ready for this? I'm ready. Do you feel you're playing the role of an MMA fighter to express that physical side of you? Damn, that's a good... Um... <laughs> Damn, you're going to have to give me a second, my friend. <laughs> um, play the role of an MMA fighter. Do you feel that's what you're doing? I mean, the fact you're releasing your inhibitions and being completely engulfed in the role, and your reactions are based off of the people you're around and using them as case studies to then gauge how you should feel. Because again, it's sort of Plato's sort of theory on forms that if yeah. we see the same thing, we won't see it the same way. Yeah. And that from a layman who watches MMA, they'll see just people in their pants beating the shit out of each other. But someone who knows the sport, they'd appreciate the nuances of the, the art, they'll appreciate the respect, they'll appreciate the training and the mentality and these kind of things, which you then have to adapt once you get involved into it. Now, right. in order to get involved... Sort involved of like the allegory of the cave, sorry. Exactly. Sort of like the allegory of the cave. Yeah. And again, this is a whole sorry, thing of when it comes to doing your case studies, when it comes to learning a role how do you do that? You then find out what their reactions are to things. You ask questions, you try to understand how they feel in certain things and you do almost a form of method acting by doing it yourself. So as much as you're expressing how you feel, it, as much as it resonates with a physical part of you to your core, you are then taking on this persona as such. It becomes another identity of yourself. That way you were about the troublemaker at school trying to find yourself. You've now, become that bad the mature young adult who's now a MMA fighter. So there, let's just just drop it in there. Just just drop the mic, man. Just try to drop the entire mic. Um 
Yeah, no, I, I hear what you're saying. And I, I think in some ways I agree. I definitely think there's a correlation between me being a troublemaker at school and, and me now kind of expressing that. Because I, I, I definitely, I've, I've thought about that. I think honesty with yourself is the most important thing. And I was thinking about it and I'm like, okay, yeah, there, there was a part of me at first when I was vulnerable. And now MMA fulfills that, 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 that feeling of vulnerability. It, it kind of protects me. And I feel as though, oh, now I am someone that, that can um, protect himself in this world. But also, I think in terms of playing the role of the MMA fighter, I kind of see it more like MMA kind of shows me a different me. Like it, it not shows me a different me. It shows me a um, it's like a uh, a mirror in a sense. And it and um, when I feel afraid, let's say I feel afraid before a fight, I kind of I can I can see that, and I can and MMA shows parts of me that I didn't even know I had. You know, I never thought I was as resilient as I am. But now, if I get taken down, I'm going to try to get back on my feet. No matter if my face is planted on the ground and the guy's throwing shots at me, I'm going to try my best. And even in my first fight, um, I got kicked in the head and I was bleeding. And, I, and at that time, I would have never, ever guessed that you know, I would have carried on fighting. But I did. And uh, I actually managed to win that fight and managed to get an armbar. And so it kind of MMA now in, in itself is a medium that, that, is able to, that I'm able to express myself through. So in the same way that an actor perhaps expresses himself through a different role or a different character, then yet MMA expresses a different kind of VAD. Like he expresses the VAD that you might not be able to express through language, you know? And I think that's for every MMA fighter. I think every MMA fighter paints a picture of who they are in the cage. Damn, you should quote me on that. That is a good quote. I'm oh, sorry, that is a good... <laughs> There's a little soundbite just to sort of take that run with that. For sure, for sure. <laughs> now to sort of go back on the point you've sort of made there it's interesting this idea of that self-identification and understanding self now the reason i use that kind of terminology is because this is how we were starting this conversation is trying to find out who you were and this is mm -hmm. the beauty of the fact you don't have a definitive answer because if you did then that wouldn't make any sense and that would just show yeah. lack of self-awareness again you know, I, you know that you don't know. That's quite, sort of the point. And this is kind of the beauty of combat sports, especially MMA and Jiu-Jitsu, is where this vulnerability is and where you push your limits and then go into these uncharted waters. So I can't think of the term, but it's, it's an ideology that, my philosophy, I'm not sure you want to call it, that if you go into unknown waters, unfamiliar territory, you don't know how you'd react to you get there. It's this sort of hero yeah. philosophy that, you know, if you put yourself as the hero in the situation, or oh, if I was there, I would have done this, that, or the other. And the real answer to that is you don't know. You'd like to think you would, but there's no reason to say when that specific set of emotions kicks in, will you be able to, is it fight or flight? And I think this is where MMA gets, gives you those answers, that you don't know you have those questions. You don't have those answers to any questions. You didn't know the situation existed. Obviously, yeah. plausibility is there, but it's not in the forefront of your mind. Do you think, okay... If you see something, oh, if I was in that situation, I definitely would tap. I couldn't do that. But you get in that kind of scramble. Yeah. You think, oh, no, a bit of bit leverage here. I should be right. You know, take a bit of pressure off and look, I'm out. And little things like that. And I think this vulnerability is a very powerful thing. And being prepared to be vulnerable to then see a reaction. Because, again, it's all about that kind of progress and seeing how far you can push before you have to, you know, see something. Yeah, yeah that's what I, I, I wholeheartedly agree so many people come up to me at least when i was in school right now people don't really come up to me because they don't really recognize me but uh, back in school you know i was the mma fighter so people come up to me they're like oh bad man yo i don't know how you do what you do like i, I could never but really i think people would surprise themselves and i think a lot of people just you know life begins outside your comfort zone like that's a pretty standard everyone says it but it's true you know uh people don't realize that when they're in that position that not a lot of them could thrive and a lot of them could survive in a sport like MMA. But it's just, I feel not only school sometimes, but even society kind of teaches you to, to stick to familiarity and safety and, and go down a career path that everyone has gone down and, and follow, you know, your, your older brothers and, and everyone that, that, that has, that has been before you and just do that, you know? Um, I just personally, me, I'd rather lace up some gloves than put on a tie, you know? So I think I think it's good that people should realize that you know that they, they are more than 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 they think they are, and then like you said, MMA is a good sport to find that out.
And with that being said as well, I like the way you've worded that and I like the way you've expressed that. Because on the, I want to say the flip side, but the darker side to that is where people think, oh, I couldn't imagine if this happened or what would happen if this happens. Like, I couldn't imagine that. And this current climate yeah. with um, COVID and making sure these businesses are being closed for the time being, people are having to reevaluate things. I think it's given a lot of people a chance to rebuild and go down a different yeah. avenue to adapt. Because me included, when it's come to the sort of career kind of adjustments, it gives you that chance to, okay, I was in this rut. I was in this sort of way of life thinking one day I will, one day I will do this, one day I will do that. And now when this someone's made for you, you kind of have to do something about it. And then they're onwards, you sort of think, okay, I've felt like this before. I felt in this sort of rut that this is my only sort of option. But my yeah. sort of terminology for this is really much, really pretty much, you know, um, you'll figure it out. Like what happens if this happens? Well, you'll figure it out. What else is the other option? You can sit yeah. there and kind of wallow on it. No, you, you figure it out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, for sure. For sure. I mean, like look at history, how many things have happened to people. We're still here. We are still here, you know. We humans have the. Uh, I I read it in actually um, GSP's book. Right, he has like a he has like a book. Hmm. Granted, I haven't finished it yet. I'm just uh, yeah, I sometimes lose motivation, but it is a good book. And one of the things he said was um, he respects the cockroach more than the dinosaur because the cockroach is still here and the cockroach has adapted and survived all these years and how many years and, and although dinosaurs were the fiercest the most dangerous the strongest creatures of all civilization they're gone and they became extinct and so something like a cockroach which you would which you wouldn't even think about something that's that's perceived as weak is as able to to survive and and, and throughout the harshest conditions and, and humans in a similar way have that kind of inherent ability to to keep going and surviving and adapting and, and what makes us special is that when the going gets tough we find a way at least for now i mean this won't age well if we go extinct in a couple of years but god forbid yeah who's, who's gonna see it then it's all good to no, that's true that is hey maybe aliens are gonna watch this one day who knows aliens oh again the whole gsp accent thing i goes on a mad one about you know <laughs> aliens and dinosaurs yeah. and all this kind of stuff aliens dinosaurs yeah. <laughs> I had nothing but your performance. Anyway, back. Not ignore yeah, my horribly offensive accents, and we'll move on. You practice that. I can tell you practice that. Every time GSP comes up, it's the first thing. Or are you intoxicated? He always, <laughs> he always yeah, does these things. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. I love him so much. He's the goat for a reason. Now, on that mm -hmm. sort of subject, so we'll go background to MMA for the time being. So, when it comes to your okay. fights themselves and the build-up and the sort of nerves and the anxieties and this, that and the other. How do you deal with that? Because again, having spoken to you now, it's very, yeah. what's the word? Analytical in the sense of, okay, you're very aware of what's going on. You're very conscious. Because a lot of people seem to be of the attitude of, you know, I'll just get in there, you know, it's a fight, I'll die. And they're the usual sort of fight, sort of cliches. But yeah. they seem almost quite believed by it i think okay yeah he's got a great team from swing i think that's, that's all right but that's not really no sustainable i guess yeah i think i wish that i wasn't an, as analytical when it comes to mma sometimes sometimes not all the time I, i'm glad i'm conscious but at the same time like that self-consciousness mate at the end of the day you don't it's a fight so like sometimes it's nice to be able to just put your mind off and be like, look, I'm just going to swing lever. Um, and that's what I do. Like, I, I don't really think about it once I'm, once I'm kind of closer towards the fight. Because um, I, I, I realize that, like, like you said, it is what it is. Like it, it, at the end of the day, what happens happens and, and what happens in the cage is going to happen. So it's like, there's no point stressing about that. It's, it, everyone says it, but it's, it's all about your preparation. And if you uh, are confident in the preparation, then in the fight, it it should go it should go whichever way. Like for example, you know, my last fight, I um I trained hard for it. I trained hard and I and I um I knew the guy was a Muay Thai fighter. So I was like, okay, let me train with a lot of people that know kickboxing, this, this and that. And I really started working on, you know that little technique where you cover your head and you and you kind of parry the leg off the oh, team. Yeah. I really 
he worked on that. And, it, and I've got pretty good even now. Like if someone throws a roundhouse, I can sometimes catch it. And that's a, that's a skill. And now fast forward to the fight. We went in. I was ready to swing. I, I threw a couple punches. I, essentially, I took him down. I controlled him the first round. Uh, second round, he tried to take me down. And I remember Brad going, okay, nice round. He's going to try to take you down. I looked at him and was like, he is not going to try to take me down. Look what just happened on the ground. First thing the guy does is, throws a combination. I managed to block it. He goes for a takedown. And I'm like, oh, shit, okay. So I reversed it with a higher bugility. Now I'm on top, okay? And now I'm like, okay, this is familiar. What I didn't expect was for him to throw a triangle and catch me in it. And, and, and that's how we won the fight. So, it's, so despite me having like, done pretty well, I was winning the whole fight, he managed to catch me in a triangle. And I feel like that's, that's a little bit to do with preparation. You shouldn't underestimate your opponent sometimes. And obviously, it's an MMA fight. So obviously, you know, he's probably he has trained it. And it was a good triangle. But like, um, so it's, it's a combination of both. I underestimated, underestimated my opponent in, the, uh, in terms of his grappling, perhaps. Uh, and I did get a little bit sloppy, I, I guess. It was a good triangle. I, I didn't see it coming. But at the same time, a fight is a fight. And whatever happens in the fight happens. So it's a mixture of both. I couldn't control what happened in that, in that situation. But at the same time, in my preparation, maybe I could have. I don't know. So it's a game at the end of the day. You, you, you can't always get it right. Now, regardless of emotional investment at that point, because the way you've, I don't know, the way you've described that is really interesting. Because as much as you've accepted the situation, taken some responsibility in the fact of, yes, I could have done this, that, and the other, but you're also taking the variability that is very mixed martial arts by the name itself. Mm-hmm. And then how do you then feel when going forward with that same kind of mindset that, I don't know, that the risk is a very real and frequent thing. That, you know, some people are very much go undefeated, they're really confident, like you're yeah. two and two now. So you've had a fair, you're literally your fair yeah. share of both, you know, wins and losses. Um, exactly. I'm, <laughs> I'm, I'm like at the point now where it's like up or down, you know, it's like I'm, I'm literally at equilibrium, like I'm, I'm balanced. Um, and obviously I think I could be four and I really do. But I also think that in some regards it was just, perhaps experience it was it was um i made mistakes i think it was always me making a mistake more than 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 like and i don't mean to take credit away from my opponents like for example my second fight samuel welch again i did well in the first round and 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 we went to a decision but really why i lost was i was on bottom and i didn't try to get up and i was just trying to do jiu-jitsu and now i've learned from that um brad said to me um and even and and even my other coaches and, and rico have always said to me um look, it's amateur and you're going to make mistakes. So when I look at someone like Makhaev, right? You know, Mohamed Makhaev, uh, he was on your podcast. He was. He's a really good fighter. He, yeah, yeah, yeah. Shout, shout out, I don't know what episode number. But yeah, you took my plug away. I was going to shout that out. I'm glad you took the headlines out, a little plug there. Sponsored by Mola MMA, might I add. The finest in gloves and clove wear. Come on. FC MMA 20, there we are. But yeah, so someone like Mokhev, beast, savage, right? He's, he's the next best thing signed to Brave, Brave FC. But at the same time, See he it. hasn't lost yet. He hasn't lost yet in MMA. So I'm not going to say that that's going to affect him. But someone like me, perhaps I needed to lose. I think I did. Because in my second fight, now, as soon as I'm on the ground and I'm on bottom, I get flashbacks. I get Vietnam flashbacks. I was here before and I lost. Now get your ass back up. I don't care how tired you are. That's what it's given me that lesson. And even in my first fight, I got kicked in the flipping head. Now I'm aware because what happened was I threw a lazy kick and he caught it and then he kicked me in the head. So now I always have that slight indication, don't throw a lazy kick. And my third fight, thank God it went well. Fourth fight, again. I was winning, and I perhaps, when I was on top, I know what I did wrong. My back was a little bit hunched over. I should have been more postured up. My weight should have been lower so that his legs are, like, weighted down, and I should have just been throwing punches. Instead, what happened was I was a little bit curved on the back. Again, it was a good triangle. So perhaps if someone else had done it, it would, it maybe I could have gone away. But again, I was in a weird position, and I threw a hammer fist. And when I threw that hammer fist, he threw his legs up. So, you know, at the end of the day, I made the mistakes. I'm two and two, but I know I can be better. And, and that knowing 
and learning from your mistakes is the most important thing. You know, it's, it's not pro yet. People don't really know my name yet. And uh, at the end of the day, do you know John Jones's uh, amateur record? No. Do you know Anderson Silver's? Do you know Conor McGregor's? Not really. Uh, there's a there's a bigger culture behind amateur in, in in the UK. But at the end of the day, when I turn pro, I'm gonna be a professional. You know, like Leon. So that's yeah. Again, it's it's really interesting the way you're. I'm gonna say the way you're wording these things, because this is a an interesting sort of thing that. Like, you got an alarm go off. Can you hear me? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. I got a little alarm that like goes off at different times. I don't know how to fix it. It just so it'll be like. <laughs> no, that's fine. I thought your thing died or whatever. Now, cool. So it's interesting the way you were sort of describing that because again, when it comes to the <laughs> stigma behind amateur record, it's a bit of a. I'm going to say misplaced in the sense of I've got a negative record, so it's a bit biased. But two, one and two, there we are. Um, but the concept of um. It having that weight is very personal. Like, not being funny, but you were saying there, until you get paid to care, you shouldn't. An amateur is the time to have different tests and have your mistakes and have these things. Because ultimately, your record amateur is just purely a formality. A professional, that's going to have a lot more leverage on your opportunities and a lot more on your, I don't know, your marketability. And again, you're essentially a product. You are a product on a show that you are, your yeah. selling power is going to be used to manipulate the event show because, again, you get Conor McGregor fighting on Rise of Champions, you'll see the fucking ticket sales go. <laughs> now, that's the value to that business. And, again, it's all relative. That would be a site, yeah. Wouldn't that be something else? But, again, that kind of concept. Yeah. So this is where it gets so tricky. But the way you took that loss and sort of analysed it, do you feel you deserve to lose or did you feel you needed to lose or did you feel, I don't know. Did you, did you feel it was coming as such? Like, did you accept the position of, okay, I accept I'm going to lose or was it a case of you really awakened? Is the way I'm trying to get that? Um, yeah, it's interesting the way you put that. I mean, firstly, obviously, I would love, like, as much as I like losing, like learning from losing, I, like I also losing. like to be undefeated. <laughs> so if I could put 4-0 on my Tinder profile, that'd be amazing. That's the dream. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. No, I don't like losing. But uh, obviously that's, that's the goal. But at the same time, you know, I, I sort of had a, I don't like saying this because it, it might, I might be lying to myself and I, or I might be trying to appear a certain way. But I really do believe that when he threw that triangle, I sort of accepted it and I sort of kind of I because when I when I reversed the position I was on top I was like I could lose I don't know why but it came into my mind I was on top I reversed with a high over guillotine I should have finished that guillotine for one that was really annoying but yeah I was on top and I was like I, I can lose and I was just but then, because because I was in his guard and I and he was like holding me and his legs were all around me and I was like okay this is dangerous this is dangerous and that's what I was thinking. I could lose. This is dangerous. And then it happened. So maybe that was it. But I've always accepted before my fights that, you know, I can even, I can lose. I can even die in there. And at the end of the day, no one forced me but me. Um, but maybe it's, it's a matter of from going on, like moving forward. It's just like, just don't think about these things. Because when I, when I got kicked in the head, different, like I, I, I flipped and I, and I tried my hardest and I, and I managed to get the finish. And in my third fight, for personal reasons outside of the fight, I was really like emotionally not there. So I was like, okay, I have to, I have to win this fucking fight. I, there's no way I'm not winning this fight. And I managed to knock the guy down because of it. So I think maybe it's just I need to start being a bit more, um, I don't know, a bit more forceful. But who knows? Who knows? That's just uh, a theory. So, again, it's interesting the way... I'm going to say where you worded first. I think the fourth time I've said this now. But again, it's more the. Thank you. I, I'll, it's I'll more keep the, wording it in it's good more, ways. It's more the um, <laughs> conflicting sort of concepts there. So, one is you accept losing as an option and also accept that that is an opportunity to learn. Everyone sort of takes that as red. It's good the fact that you're, you know, accepting that as well and understanding that sort of principle. You're then 
putting pressure on yourself in a separate instance to then perform due to an external factor to make sure you I don't know if it's a case to try and right the wrong as such or do your bit to because this is always an interesting thing when it comes to I've got to win this for my I don't know my cat or my dog or whatever or my mum or whoever it is I'm curious what they expect the result from there onwards to be I don't know what that means but it's what it is so there's that kind of thing of trying to do it for an external factor then there's accepting the position where you're detrimental to try and say okay this is the beginning of the end and then you separate instance you have a switch and it's all these different things in itself but this is always a bit of a knife edge of when it comes to having the awareness but not letting it get to you like how does pressure get to you on like the fight day itself like when you're in the change room getting warmed up are you trying to get yourself in a sort of headspace like back to the concept of being playing a role do you try and get into the role of vad molotov the guy who's going to go and then take someone's head off or is it a case of you're shooting yourself you're worrying about everyone else or you just try not to think about it how do you i don't know prepare for that test i want to say I like, yeah, I like the way you asked that because it, it, it is an interesting, it, first it is, yeah, it is um, two sides, right? The awareness and the uh, just switching it off and fighting, right? There's, that's just the, I think, I think every fighter has come across that. For me, when I'm, when I'm about to fight and I'm in the change room or I'm in the locker room or whatever it is, I, I feel like it's more of a physical sensation to me. It's more of a actual, I feel it in my chest and I feel it in my stomach, you know, the butterflies. I feel, I feel like little tingling sensations, nerves. But in my mind, I'm there. It's like, I don't, I don't really, you know, if someone talks to me, I'll just, I'll always distract myself. But it's not a distraction in terms of like, just, I'm not fighting. It is like, I am not, I know, I always know in the back of my mind that I'm going to step out soon. I don't know why, but I just don't, on the day of the fight, I have a little bit of confidence to myself. I think it's a it's a confidence out of necessity and it's a forced confidence. I force it out of myself, you know. Like I I just have to do it. Like you're bad, you're fighting. Like you just can't. You, there's nothing you can do. Like what, you're gonna run out? No, you have to. So I force that confidence. And once I walk out, like once I play the music, and this is where my music comes through because the songs that I walk out to are different to the conventional people. Like uh, I walk out to I don't know, so just the two of us. I walked, I walked out to that. I've walked out to Ain't No Mountain High Enough. Um, I've walked out to like a mix of James Brown and Tupac. Uh, and I, yeah. And I walk out to these songs because it gives that kind of vibe of, of, of this is, this is, this is now, you know, you enjoy this in terms of, I like, I know I'm not an angry person. That's why I like to, I want to stress. I know I'm not an angry person naturally. So I'm not going to force an anger out of myself. Again, though, it's, it's hard. Because it's like, it's contradictory. Because like I've said, I need to be able to think I'm going to take this guy's head off. But I, at the same time, like to enjoy myself. Like I dance when I walk out. I did a six step and into a handstand for one of my fights. Literally, I like to, I like to, um, to, to outside of the cage, be relaxed and, and enjoy myself. But once I'm in the cage, I think that's when the switch happens. I think that's when it becomes, because for me, sorry, one more thing is that it's important to be a showman. It's important to entertain because it's an entertainment business. And as much as it's a fight, you're not fighting behind closed doors. You're fighting in front of people that pay to see you. And I'm not, I'm not here to satisfy them, but I am here to put on a show. So that's why I sort of do what I do. And, and the crowd does get behind it. They sing along. They enjoy it. And I enjoy it. Uh, and that puts added pressure onto me because if I get knocked the fuck out, it's going to be, it's going to be embarrassing. But at the same time, maybe that pressure is what, need, what I need to rise. Um, but yeah, my 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 um, guy that I've done boxing with, I've trained boxing with, um, Connor. He he explained it to me that once you're in the ring, once you're in the cage, the world collapses onto that cage, and that's when it goes. So that's why when I walk out, I will dress the my friends, my fans, whoever. Um, but when I walk into the cage, that's when I think Molotov comes out, and it's just like boom, that's it. That now now you have to be serious. Now you have to handle business, and then then you can climb the cage and enjoy it and party, and you know it's just like that. I think. A lot to take in. I do accept that. <laughs> so with all that then, again, there's so many intricacies to that. But the common theme is they're all external factors. None of which was about the performance itself. None of it was the risk of 
getting hurt. Yes, you said you might get knocked out, but you didn't say it like you're scared to, you're scared to be embarrassed. And the fact you're playing up, not playing up for the crowd as such, but your your main concern is the crowd around you, the people around you, not necessarily even your opponent. You never mentioned one point, what if my opponent does this, that, or the other. You never mentioned, I need to do this, that. Never had a game plan, nothing like that. But being aware of how you're being perceived by those around you and then how you're being perceived by yourself, but not even a, from a performance point of view. So it's interesting how you're trying to be on this knife edge of cool, calm and relaxed, ready to kill, trying to keep this urgency, but not burning out. And again, burning out like a Molotov pun for you. Have fun with that. And again, it's, um, it's a very interesting way of, I don't know, dealing with it. And it kind of makes sense because the difference between a fight and training is the publicity side of it. When you're in training, it's mm-hmm. private. It's very, it should be behind closed doors. It shouldn't be spoken about. Like yeah. people who talk about their sparring openly are absolute cunts because I think it's just, a, it should be a, a constructive <laughs> yeah, environment no, to then I learn agree. and grow from. If you talk, say, oh, I knocked For out so and so, I'll get the better of them thinking you're an ass. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I 100% agree. Yeah. And yeah, this, right. is, this is where this transition, it makes sense to prioritize almost the other facts that come into it. But also, the other main factor there is, there's someone else in there who's trying to do the exact same thing, but to you. And you haven't even considered them. None of that was considered about your opponent. So it was more interesting the way you're wording that. Because what are you nervous about? Are you nervous about the fight? Are you worried about having your identity as a fighter being compromised? In terms of having my identity as a fighter compromised, it's like, yeah, I do care about what, I think everyone or most people, unless you're in a very enlightened sense of person, you know, you care about what other people see you as. But I, I've never like, oh, I want you to see me as a bad fighter because I know I'm, 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 I'm that and more. So it's like, yeah, I'll fight. And even if my record is 13 and two, God forbid, though, Jesus. No, sorry, that's good. No, if my record was two and 13. I was going to say, that, you, you that. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 don't worry, don't worry. I've got that, I've got that uh, crazy. Um, nah, if, if my record was two and 13, I'd still fight. And I still feel like I'd, I'd try my hardest because at the end of the day, it's, it's what I like to do. So regardless of how people see me as, as, a, as, a, as an image of a fighter, you know, I, as long as I fight, I am a fighter, you know. If I fix plumbing i'm a plumber you know so i don't really care about that and and you're right i haven't considered my opponent i consider my opponent from a tactical point of view i consider him through what he does how he fights but i never consider him from an emotional point of view firstly i have never had to you know no one's tried shit to me um and actually if someone did try to chat shit to me i would enjoy it i know i would i like i like to just I, for me it's fun it's like chel sun and sort of thing i'd, I'd enjoy it because it's just kind of like a sh- again it's just part of the game we all are gonna die someday I'm not trying to be with this bleak and, and trying to like pretend nihilistic i'm wiser than i am yeah yeah not even nihilism you know i i know like I'm, I'm 18 i'm young i'm stupid i have so much you know my my coach said i'm young dumb and full of yeah, yeah. Uh, I, I'm, I'm young, you know, so <laughs> I have a lot of experiences to learn from. And, and I know my life is still, still, you know, I have so much to realize. But at the same time, I don't think about me getting knocked out the same way I don't think about me dying. Because if I do die, then then it is what it is. If he dies, you know, he dies. Then if he dies, he does that like Drago. But in the same way, if I lose that fight, then there will be some repercussions. But I know I'll always be able to fight again, most likely, you know. I feel like I'm enough of a character for people to, you know, I've got uh, really good people in my corner. Uh, I'll always be able to sort of get a fight. So it's not really, it's, it doesn't worry me as such. The only thing I've recently been more worried about is the fact that I am becoming a little bit older. I'm not 16 anymore. So it's like 18 now is a little bit more, still young, but it's now like I have to fight in order for my mom, you know, I have to eventually when I turn pro, that's when the stakes get higher. The stakes will be higher because I actually need to support myself. I need to be successful out of necessity. But otherwise, I would just do it recreationally and I would do it, uh, do it for fun. For me, this is, everything's a game. You know, everything's a game. You can't take life too seriously and, and that's just another thing. So as much as it is a fight, it's also a sport and it's a game. And uh, whether I lose the game or not, I'll, I should be back. And if I'm not back, let's let God say I'm gone one day, then I won't feel it. <laughs> you know and that's when that's when being a certain person to your to your friends and peers that's when that's important 
because then that's how how you live on right that's how you live on so that's why i try to put an emphasis on 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 not being a certain way but kind of trying to interact with the outside it's a bit of a gandhi quote that isn't it or is it we live on in the um people we touch or something like that isn't it something anyway. oh right yeah i think i've heard that yeah no i think it just you're right yeah Mahatma Vada, we are. Uh, so again, Mahatma <laughs> <laughs> I mean, again, you've definitely got a bright future ahead of you, my friend. Where can people find you on the old social media? Thank you, brother. Okay, so you can find me on social media under Lil Uzi Vad. Um, I think that's quite clever. I, I love that. I love that. Like, not a lot of people know it. <laughs> thank you. Thank you, my brother. Uh, and on Facebook, if you can type out my name. Vadimas, V-A-D-I-M-A-S, and my surname, G-A-I-Z-U-T-I-S. Go back and fast, go backwards if you need to rehear that. But um, And other than that, you know, look out for my name. Hopefully, I'll be fighting on a, on a show near you. Get a ticket there. That'll all be in the description. Today's episode was brought to you by Mauler MMA. Use code FCMMA20. At checkout for 20% off on all products on MaulerMMA.com.